Welcome back, podcast listeners. Episode 134 here today. And Tony, a special guest, but someone that describes himself that he's cursed with ambition, afflicted with um, initiative, and damned by an unquenchable drive for success and more. And you've seen this firsthand. I certainly have. And uh, the young gentleman who we're interviewing today, uh, I won't mention his name just at the moment, but he's... um, I've known him for some 17 years, so he's always young to me, no matter what. So it's, uh, he's, I met him before he was before you engaged, but certainly before you're married, uh, before being a father of two beautiful young girls. But it's it's interesting that uh, my journey with Toby was actually um, I was at a downward point in my life. I come, as our listeners know, from a, an ex-professional sporting background. Um, I just finished 14 years of martial arts as well by that stage um, and I got really fat and I was depressed and I was I was in a very bad state. I'd gone through a uh, marriage bust up as well and I had ballooned up to 116 kilos so I certainly wasn't um, any resemblance what I used to be and the staff actually went and did some research and they bought me for Christmas, this is in the old firm, uh, where we had all those staff, and they bought me as a Christmas present, 10 sessions with a personal trainer. And <laughs> Nothing per- says I love you more. That's right. <laughs> so it's, uh, so it's, uh, I think they're basically sick of hearing me complain about it, uh, then going out and having lunch all the time and things like that. And one of the reasons why they actually chose Toby was they rang and interviewed him. It was actually Nancy who did that. Um, and uh, but Toby also worked hand in hand with a nutritionist as well so it wasn't just a case of do some push-ups and sit-ups it was a case of um, actually get your whole health in order and that was the start of my journey as well so I met Toby some 17 odd years ago uh, where he was my personal trainer for 10 sessions and then I continued for probably two years uh, after that, Boyana came and started joining me as well. So uh, get up very early, and he got me into shape to the point where back in 2009 we had our 20-year reunion, and I did a Ironman in Canada again with all the old teammates um, over in Canada. So that's how I met this young entrepreneurial <laughs> gentleman, who even back then was amazingly entrepreneurial. <laughs> so I guess it is a bit of a welcome, um, Toby Scovran, as our Thank guest you. today. But Toby, the reason I got Tony to start with that is I tried to search through your LinkedIn, tried to know where to start with your resume and mate it's too big yeah <laughs> sorry about that sorry about that <laughs> but but welcome and and look today we really want to go through your journey and as, as we were sort of having a laugh um you are a serial entrepreneur and you've just jumped into so many different things i guess if we want to start that journey you know did that start from a, a young yeah young absolutely. age or, or where did that journey start for you yeah um i i don't know where it started or when it started um but I, in hindsight um, I understand how it started. Um, so my dad, uh, who passed, he got sick when I was 14, uh, passed when I was 16. I think Tony, you made me stand up and do a, a keynote on this. I did. It was a horrible presentation, but it had a lot of meaning and truth to it. Um, at Leonda, maybe? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and so my dad passed when, he was 16, when I was 16. And as a young kid, um, I used to live in a house. My mum was a very, very proud woman. Uh, of all of us, my two sisters, my my dad and I, and so she used to put all of our awards, awards and accolades up in this sort of like there was a long hallway from the front front door. We had bedrooms off to the side, and then it sort of opened up to a bit of a square room, which was then you'd go into the lounge room and the kitchen, and all of us from there. And that square, she kind of turned it into, and it sounds glamorous, it really wasn't <laughs> uh, a bit of an art gallery. 
and it was hardly a gallery. It was probably like quarter of the size of this room, right? But from the age of birth all the way up the wall, my mum would have all of our school photos, um, all of our awards, and one wall she dedicated to my dad, and he had a bunch of awards where he actually was a, a global entrepreneur or an entrepreneur that had uh, built a global business. Um, and my bedroom was on one side of this art gallery um, and the bathroom was on the other. And I think like just walking from one side or from my bedroom to the bathroom and back um, multiple times a day, um, seven days a week for 15, 16, 17 years, um, I think that my dad's accolades definitely washed over me uh, in hindsight. And I remember my mom for my dad's 40th, by the way, I turned 41 a couple of weeks back. But for my dad's 40th, my mom created a birthday cake and it was amazing because they were able to print photos at that time or at least get really close to printing photos on cakes. Yeah. And it was my dad in his work gear uh, with a speech bubble that said, I did it my way. And so you go back and forth to the bathroom and all the rest of it, and I think subliminally that stuff washed over me. Um, I went to a very, uh, uh, I went to a, a school in Sydney that was quite academic. Um, I'm not an academic. I never felt like I belonged. Um, and, um, you know, my, a lot of my friends at the time were, uh, doctors and lawyers and surgeons and dentists and all types of big title uh, professions. Still didn't feel like I belonged, but I sucked it up and thought, I love shoes, but I wouldn't tell anyone that. So I was going to become a foot doctor and I wanted to understand the biomechanics of the foot, which then led me to having a side hustle as a personal trainer while I studied to earn money to sort of put myself through university. And then I went to my mom maybe three years into a five-year course or four-year course, maybe one year was half-time, whatever it was. And I said, oh, I can't do this anymore. This is not this is not me. And my mom just with the biggest smile on her face was like, cool, start living then. You know, like, you know, do what makes you happy. I've led my life. I've done what I've wanted to do. My mom's from the UK. She's just like, I, I left my parents, traveled across the, across the globe and decided to do what I want. She goes, you must do what you want to do and what makes you happy. And I said, this is a really down day for me, having to sort of come with my tail between my legs and, and tell you I can't pretend to be something that I'm not. But I promise you one day I'll make you proud. Uh, a similar time, um, this beautiful girl uh, came to Sydney for a summer vacation. We we're supposed to have, not supposed to, it wasn't arranged, but it was, <laughs> it was supposed to be just a one night stand or a summer fling. Uh, we've been together 19 years. Tony was actually at my wedding 14 yeah, years ago. Yep. Um, and uh, I moved to Melbourne to sort of, hey. Most brides get cheery walking down the aisle. This was a sea world and Sim was dancing. Was it to OSHA? Um, sorry, horses? Horses. Or? Horses, that's right. So it's. Absolutely. She's dancing all the way down and this young guy's burst into tears yeah. and yeah absolutely so she's amazing amazing woman and i gotta tell you i'd be nothing without her and i don't say that like she's coached me and advised me but she's just believed in me yeah yeah and so i come up with these big hairy audacious goals and she's like if anyone could do it you can do it and then when i try to get a, like a bit of a breather from her belief in me come on like come on ground me someone i call my sisters <laughs> and my sisters are like no no no, you've, you've got this like my older sister um I've called her, you know, over, over the last couple of decades, I've called her in tears going, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, or I can't, kind of don't have the path. 
And instead of her going, okay, well, should we get you help or should we get you this or should we get you that? And she's like, no, you'll figure it out. Like, if anyone can figure it out, you'll figure it out. Like, fuck, she believes in me too. What? <laughs> so, like, the journey has been, like, it was supposed to be six months here in Melbourne while my, my wife or my girlfriend, my one-night stand, or my summer fling was finishing her university degree. And then we're going to go back to Sydney for six months. And what ended up being very structured of, hey, we'll do six months here and then six months there and work out where we want to be, end up being six years here. 10 years in Los Angeles and now another five years here in Melbourne, Australia. But let's go back, let's go back to that serial entrepreneur. I mean, uh, Vaughn and Jamie did a magnificent podcast last week uh, after a uh, session we were in a leaders forum uh, that we're part of and that was entrepreneurs and serial entrepreneurs who suffer uh, self-doubt and imposter syndrome at times. You just, because it's you've got that big, big, hairy, audacious goal, yep. uh, the BHAG, yep. uh, as Jim Collins calls it, and yep. then basically it's a case of though that you are in fear of, it is so big, what happens if I fail? What happens if I oh, fail? I don't, yeah. But in saying that though, it's it was really interesting because I still remember when you came to me and you said, I've got this idea on the new inventor. Like, <laughs> I was on the ABC, yeah. and we would we would always talk business while in between me trying to catch my breath uh, after you flogging me. But basically, it was a case of I've got this new idea, and you told me the story, uh, the backstory. Uh, I forgot the name of your puppy at the time, Subi. the Caboodle Subi. And basically, it was a case of you know it's um, the pet loo. Correct. And you went. I still remember watching you on the new inventors uh, present that and how you came up with it. And that was the first big thing. Yep. I lost you as a personal trainer. Yeah. So that was that was my personal fear. Of, will I still get out of bed at 5 a.m. <laughs> now to get flogged by someone? Uh, you handed me over to Lou, who was wonderful. Uh, but in saying that, though, that was that first real massive journey and step. And it was and it Correct. was. And I still, I still remember. You know, you were uh, fretting over getting. Uh, BMW X3 lease yeah. because what happens if it fails? What yeah. happens? And and I think Sim's father was was a great mentor for you as well. He's, he, well he is my yeah. father, right? Yes, so yeah. he's he's ironically been more of my father in my life than my true father because yeah. he passed so young yeah. or passed when I was so young. But but you but he believed in you, t- mate. Yeah. This guy is unbelievable. Yeah, he's relentless uh, in his belief. Mm. Um, I could shit on his table and he'd find the positive thing to say. Yeah. You know, like he's like, like just, yeah, just amazing. <laughs> yeah. But you do touch on a couple of really important things that I think the, the listeners will, will appreciate. Mm. One was um, I'd gone and embarrassed myself in front of my mom and said, mom, I can't pretend to be someone that I'm not. I don't want to study podiatry anymore. Um, I'm going to take some time off and go to Melbourne. And basically, because I was studying anatomy and physiology, I understood personal training. Mm. So that was sort of like a little bit of a side hustle. And then I came back and I said to her, Mom, I found myself. I'm going to make dog toilets for a living. (laughs) She's like, what the is going on here? But actually what it was, was uh, it was an invention to Tony's point. Um, which was showcased. You won new inventors. We won the show. Yeah, that's right. We went on you to went win Australian. Yeah. We won, went on to win Australian Pet Product of the Year. Yeah. And literally overnight, um, uh, after the show on the new inventors, we went from an idea to 500 units of orders. Uh, ordered customers paid up in full, uh, and I produced a thousand pieces. I was still personal training, not taking any money. I still did personal training for three years while we built up the Ooh. business. Um, and then it went on to generate, you know, just shy of $10 million in annual revenue. Um, and to most people, it would feel like you made it, but I like struggled every single day. 
uh, the demands of the orders were coming in thicker and faster than my cash flow. And um, I grew the business from a $20,000 loan from Jack, mm. my father-in-law, who was my girlfriend's father at the time. Um, in, and I gave him a third of the company for that. Um, and Simone had a third and I had a third. And uh, we, we ended up selling that business in 2013 after, after 10 years. So it wasn't an overnight success. Um, it's still not an overnight success, but um, sold that business to a company out of Knoxville, Tennessee called PetSafe. Um, which are a glo global behemoth of a business and I'm someone I'm really, really proud to have exited to. Um, and they bought Petlu, which was just an idea that I was solving my toileting problems for my dog on my balcony in Elwood, Victoria. Uh, it's now sold literally in every country that they have animals. It's, it's amazing. I still live in an apartment now and it gets delivered every day. Um, so there's multiple people that have larger dogs in, in the apartment yeah. building. Yeah. Every day there's, there's one sitting there waiting yeah. for someone to pick up in their box. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's, 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 I mean, I ended up, ended up actually building an ecosystem around like, so early on, I was a huge fan of Steve Jobs and it wasn't about the device. It was about mm -hmm. the ecosystem that supported it. Because if we didn't have iOS 15 on our devices right now, I'm just talking mm -hmm. like assuming we're all in, in understanding of that um, you've just got this beautiful device that doesn't really do much but it's the interaction between the hardware and the software that is where the magic really happens and so I end up building an ecosystem around this literally a printer size product uh, which had replacement grasses it had cleaning solutions it had training aids it had cleanup um, products that were all tied onto it so for every loo that was in market, there was about $200 of recurring revenue annually. Uh, and when you're producing hundreds of thousands of units, that's a real business. So it's a hardware fixed device with proprietary tech, uh, not tech as in, you know, Apple and apps, but um, tech as in uh, technology um, that nothing else fit. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had a pair of headphones and you need to get another jack. It's like, <laughs> why, do, why can't I just get... No, you have to go back to the manufacturer to get that specific one. I love how they just changed that. They don't give you the charge point anymore because you've already got it. They yeah. just changed the thing. Go and buy it now. Correct. Yeah. So so, uh, so for every loo, is a couple hundred US dollars a year annual recurring revenue, which was amazing from a continuity perspective and a valuation perspective. And then I exited in, in 2013. Before you exited though, mm -hmm. Toby, you did something, another thing that was really very brave. Uh, you turned around to Sim and to Jack, is it? Yeah. yeah and said, we're moving to LA. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so you packed up and moved and I think you're living in Santa Monica. So yeah. Uh, so renting a place in Santa Monica at the time and, and basically we're gonna run our business out of the US. And what a huge, move you know so i know you didn't have the girls at that time but what an absolutely huge move yeah but but the right move because absolutely australia right, yeah. had seven million cats and dogs the mm. uh, u.s had 200 million cats and dogs and my australian business was outperforming my u.s distributor so i'm going what the hell is going on here so i actually terminated him from uh contractually um i tried to plead with him to say hey if you want to just focus on northwest that's great, I'll keep you there, I'll protect you. But he's like, no, I want the whole America. I was like, mate, not having it. Mm. So we ended up severing that relationship. I think he was giving us like 300,000 US dollars a year in revenue. Mm. But my Aussie business was doing like two and a half million. And you got 200 million cats and dogs and we have seven million cats and dogs. There's something not working right here. So I ended up severing the relationship uh, as much as I never, ever, ever want to do that. Mm. But I, I was blue in the face. 
um, to, to sort of, and I ended up started begging this guy to just kind of like, hey, just focus on what you do. We'll focus on. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't working. So I tore up, I tore up three hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue. Went to the U.S. and the global financial crisis hit. Uh, the day I decided to leave was literally one dollar U.S. was ninety-seven cents to the Australian dollar, and the day I got there was fifty-eight cents. So I'm three hundred thousand U.S. dollars in no revenue uh, from the previous year, and then I was literally fifty-eight cents to the dollar and global financial crisis and no one gives a shit about a pet loo they're all just worrying about i just gotta feed my dog for now um and not worry about all these luxury items um so you talk about like balls in your yeah like yeah well, <laughs> i'm about to get chopped off yeah. in a big way um and so I, I persevered i literally when i left australia i had a little house in elwood with a very very like i think it was like hundred thousand hundred and something thousand dollar mortgage on a million dollar home i like we'd we'd done so well from a performance perspective and the day i sold the company that mortgage had ballooned out to several hundred thousand and all i was doing was paying for po's with cash that i didn't have so i'd go into my mortgage and redraw um and i yeah that the house that you know was sub hundred maybe some hundred and some change on was now 700 in mortgage mm. And um, yeah, we, we, we turned it into an amazing success story, but fuck, it was so hard, like day in, day out. Like we talked earlier before the things, before this started, like it was literally 20 cents an hour in equivalent of pay because I was working that long, that hard for so long. And wearing just multiple hats while you're doing it as well. Yeah, like, it was everything. A lot of people don't understand this about entrepreneurial success. They, they, see, they see where you are today and say, how, how lucky has this guy been? But they actually don't see the hard work, nearly going bankrupt a million times uh, per week, uh, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul basically. And they didn't see all that. And it was great because we were talking about the book, um, the memoirs, uh, Phil Knight, Shoe Dog. Uh, and that's the story and that's the story of us that's the story of every entrepreneurial business but you actually did something which was actually quite tremendous and that is that you put all your money that you're earning back into the business and that's what got the growth and that's what got the success story in the end yeah uh, now all those things all the way through it every day you say well we sold it where was that change where did that happen well it changed every single day because every Correct. single thing you did every single day which you still do today, to this day, no matter what business you're actually in. But but basically it was a case of people just see the end story and the success and the accolades at the end. They don't see the stress and hard work and having two young girls born during that time as well. So, it's, uh, so you're living month to month, then it's getting slowly better, then slowly better, then slowly better, and slowly better. And now you've got two young daughters and you got Sim, and you're traveling all throughout the US uh, to try and keep building, building, building. So, and I, I think that's one of the things is the entrepreneurial spirit that we talk about, it is a hustle. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's inside, it's not made, yeah? Yeah. Um, and so, like, if we go back to the beginning of this podcast, uh, I look back on my dad's awards, and like, I just, I just, like, seeing that reinforcing every day, it was like, when I decided to make Pet Loop, that's when I came alive as a human being mm. because it's not about finding the calling. I wasn't passionate about making dog toilets. I was passionate about animal companionship yeah. and the values and the benefits that people get from that. 
and my product was an enabler of that, which gave me purpose. Um, however, um, you know, when I would go back to school friends, like, when are you getting a real job? Like, you're making dog toilets for a living? Like, why don't you do? Um, and so I was very purposeful, um, but penny poor, right? Mm. And then that all changed. All of a sudden, this huge monstrosity out of Tennessee comes and buys my company, gives me my exit, and then employs me for more money than I've ever ever had uh, on an on an annual basis. And I, I lasted ten months because mm. yep. I didn't want to sit in a tower with six hundred employees, and I love them all. Some of them are still my closest friends. Mm. Um, uh, pressing buttons, I wanted to be on the street with the people making impact. Yeah, and so. Um, that took me on to the next part of this journey. But how I got to where I'm, like how do I go from dog toilets to building flexible office space or co-working spaces? I was actually a consumer of it in the US. So while my North American headquarters initially started out of my spare bedroom in my apartment in Santa Monica, um, quickly I needed to create compartmentalization. Working from home was not productive for my relationship uh, because uh, I would be working and my wife would walk in and say, hey, let's go for a ride. Let's go get some ice cream in Venice. And I'm like, babe, I'm working. Yeah, yeah, but you're your own boss. You can do whatever you want. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm trying to work on the like, next big deal. And that next big deal was always- Discussing an, that this morning. The yeah. next one and the next one, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. And so um, she'd be like, hey, let's watch XYZ tonight on TV. Like, cool, we'd do that. And then I'd hear a chime which was my old computer going, you've got mail. Mm. And I go, I'm just gonna go check that for a second. And then seven hours later, she's asleep on the couch. I'm still enthralled in what's going on. Um, and we were global business. So there was no, there was no downtime. I think s Sunday afternoons were um, the start of Australian trade. Um, and I think like somewhere between Saturday and Saturday night was the only time where everything was offline. Um, and I did that for 10 years. Toby, we, we speak about the serial entrepreneur and we, we did one of our earlier podcasts on this where I, where I speak about the fact that you don't have that balance in life. Now, you're, you've kept young and healthy, uh, but I know there's there's a lot of entrepreneurs who uh, they don't they don't like going home or when they do go home, it's a case of, how was your day, dear? Yeah, it was good. They don't go into depth. They don't want to talk about this. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to actually share that experience. They bottle it up. They end up being financially successful and die young. Sure. Um, and now I know you've, you, you mean, Simone is a beautiful person. I haven't seen her for a long time. She's uh, even more beautiful now. Yeah, so it's, um, but, is, but as a person as well and as a support and having two young girls as well, having to actually separate that aside because yep. you, you guys wouldn't understand they, they want to come they and don't. play with dad you That's know right. so it's uh they, oh, dad's home that must mean playtime. Yep. so when you actually went into that co-working space yourself to actually go and get away separate home and life and work life yes. which killed me working from home during the pandemic yeah. uh, that we had absolutely hated it uh but basically then coming over here and saying that's a great idea I'm going to start co-working spaces here. I've now got money in the bank, so I'm now going to go and put all that risk of all that money I've got in the bank, and I'm going to start something here. But you weren't the first here. I mean, people had already heard of WeWorks and things like that, and there's other co-working spaces mm -hmm. uh, in just some type of capacity that yep. always has actually been. 
So what made you think this is something that is going to be great and everything that I've worked hard for and we've got money in the bank and we could actually just say, yeah. let's go and live in Byron Bay and never work again and <laughs> eat, cheap and and eat ice cream. Yeah. Um, why go and put all that at risk again to start something that is not brand new here, sure. but what, what was going to make you different? Yep. Great question. And I think I've given a little bit of the breadcrumbs through the earlier conversation that mm. we had. I never felt like I belonged when I was younger. Yeah. I never felt like my peers and people that I grew up with actually really understood me mm. and what I was going through in terms of not, I wasn't having any crisis or anything, but I just felt different and I thought differently and I wasn't really into the academics, but you put me in a running race, metaphorically speaking, and something that I'm passionate about, I'm gonna lap you a hundred times before we're done. Um, and then I realized that- I Used to do that when you was training. <laughs> <laughs> um, I realized that it's, it's really purpose-driven, and right, so what's, what's different, so the commercial entity that I created when I landed here is called Creative Cubes. Uh, and Creative Cubes is all about enabling success. And so when I reflect back on my time in Los Angeles, it wasn't just the office that I had, it was actually the community and the people that I was surrounded by. So Tony, you talked a little bit before about how, how was your day, honey? Oh, I don't feel like I need to tell you because you won't understand. Actually, the complete opposite happened to me. I didn't need to tell my wife that I had a great day because my, the guys that were also sharing the co-working space were on a similar journey, even though we're not competing in the same uh, industry or, or um, vertical right um travis kalanick which founded a company called uber was literally in the office next door to me before uber is what you know it is today right yeah. and there was other guys evan spiegel uh who founded a company small little company called snapchat um probably never heard of it um these are the, <laughs> these are the guys that that i was surrounded by and so coming home to tell my wife i was like already overloaded with like in you know uh i guess it was almost like you all you can eat all day every day um at the office so when i got home i actually didn't want to talk about it because wait wait she doesn't she didn't marry me because of my ideas for business and commercialization so there was other things to focus on and so why is why is creative cubes exist the creative cubes really wants to give people what ultimately i didn't have so if i take my dad hat and put that on or as a child my parents used to say to me all the time Toby I want to give you what we couldn't have as a kid so we would do xyz we would go and get this or we'd get go and experience that and my parents were really proud because their parents couldn't afford to do it for them so doing it for us fulfilled my parents as a parent I do stuff for my kids that I didn't have as a kid and most of that is I didn't have a father so I'm always present for my kids. I'm always there. If it's a concert or a singing or a this, or my kid went to school camp today for the first time ever. Just, girl didn't sleep last night. I don't know what's going on in her head, but I was there to wave her off on the Did bus. Did you shed a tear? Not at all. Oh, I was going to say, because I know you, you don't mind no. shedding a tear. If no, you no I'm, I'm good. <laughs> 10, years, 10 years into being a father, she needs to go to, to camp. <laughs> um, but yeah. but my, my point is that like I'm giving my kids what I didn't have, right? Which is not materialism or anything like that. It's just presence. Ooh. Yeah. And so I take my dad hat off and I put my entrepreneur hat on. And there's a lot of people, believe it or not, I thought I was special. Um, but there's a lot of people that feel and act the way that I do. Um, and they don't have a sense of community. They don't have a sense of belonging. They don't have the tools. They don't have the guidance. They don't have the support. They don't have the infrastructure in their world, but they can come and hire it or they can come be part of it 
at Creative Cubes. And so the driver, Tony, was actually around trying to give people what was not there for me to fill a void for me, similar to me when my dad had. Uh, and then what I, what's actually happened is it's so multifaceted the, the commercial real estate side of it, then there's the software side of it, as in literally codes uh, and technology, and then there's the people side of it, and merging all those three things together really gives you an exhilarating experience on one of our properties that will be different tomorrow than it was today because you three guys didn't show up today, you'll be there tomorrow, so the energy is different there. Good, bad, indifferent is irrelevant. It's just different. And so we've been going now for nearly five years and not one day has been the same, but we're really purpose-driven and that is to enable success. We want to, one of our values is belonging. Success begins with feeling like you belong and then leaning in. Like, I don't care where you're from, uh, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. In fact, there's been assholes that have rocked up with multi-million dollar businesses that we've said, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't have you here. Um, and then there's people that have shown up with a skateboard and a, and a video camera and said, look, I've got no money, but I'm a great content creator and I'm this and I'm that. I've got something to offer. And so I'll call my, my partners at PwC or Austrade and go, hey, can you help me sponsor a business for this year? This kid wants a chance. Mm. Yeah. And I go out of my way to be helping all these Davids who eventually over the last five years have grown up to become Goliaths. Um, and go on to change the world in a, in a very special way for themselves. So it would be far cheaper not to do it, Yeah, but purpose oh, it, it's, is it's, different. It's actually just saying this is something else now that we can do and you actually believed in it. And I think that's one of the key things. That, you know, It is something that you purposely believed in and wanted to actually do. Yeah, having having a Jewish background, mm -hmm. uh, very successful Jewish families have usually built up some amazing wealth through property as well. I mean, here in Melbourne, you've got the you know the Gandels, you've got the Liebermans, the Werdigers, and uh, families like that that have actually built up some extreme wealth. But they might own three thirty Collins Street, and then they lease out floors or part floors and things like that. You've you've got that still got that property background in you now i know it's not it's not based on religion but it's a, but it's still that case of that you've actually got that entrepreneurial spirit but you've come at it from a new world mm -hmm. way of thinking rather than the second or third generation way of thinking you know buy it and then lease it out mm -hmm. so how do you think that's affected because it's with you guys i do know it's not a case of just having the young kids sitting in there renting some space off you per month opening up the laptop and just feeling part of a community and wanting to be an entrepreneur but basically typing away their ideas there with other people around them you've actually got large organizations who mm -hmm. would usually be renting off the Werdigers or the Liebermans. Predominantly actually, large organisations. Who are coming to you and saying, we want space. But it, but one of the things I think you do, and I, I forgot how you actually coined it to me just before, but it's basically a case of you have a pass. It's a whole pass for yep. everything. For all, access for to all, one, access to all. Yeah, so, so do you want to talk about that difference? Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of things. Um, the, the idea, so uh, Jack, who we all know now, now yeah. all now know, <laughs> yeah. uh, had his, what was supposed to be 70th, but because of pandemic, it was actually his 70, only his 71st year. Yeah. He had a birthday party um, at one of my spaces. Um, and his friends, who were all in their 70s, if not older, came. And they're like, 
wow, this is amazing. And like, not to talk ill on any of his friends because they're all amazing, but their yeah. perception of what we were doing was, oh, is this an office space for people that can't afford a real office? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not what we're doing here. In fact, a lot of the companies that sit inside here um, can afford to buy this over, uh, buy this a hundred times over, but but choose well, to you've participate. Got multi, you know, international and yep. listed companies yep. as Pre- re- predominantly. Predominantly, yeah. uh, those those types of companies, um, and we only really serve not because we don't want to, but not be, just because that's just the 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 makeup of the space. But um, probably about three or four percent of our membership base, and we serve over a thousand companies and somewhere close to five thousand people on a daily basis at pace, mm. um, and we're, it's coming back quite quite rapidly. Um, only three or three or four percent of them are sm- small, like startupish businesses. And, and most of those small startupish businesses are underpinned by our corporate partners. So, you know, a PwC last year, not year last year, but the year before, gave me a lot of money to basically, Toby, go help the community. Here's our sponsorship. And I basically ran a pitch night to help those companies out. Um, access to one is access to all, but what's happening here in pan or post or during, not quite out yet, but pandemic um, is the traditional lease has taken a massive beating. Mm, uh, yeah. That's not to talk ill because we're in your traditional office space here, <laughs> but um, actually companies are no longer thinking about- I don't own the office, it's yeah, okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, they're no longer thinking about stature, i.e. peacocking on Collins Street. Yeah. Um, they're actually turning inwards and going, wait, we've got this incredibly talented person from Wagga that no longer has to commute into our CBD locations and, and we can set that person up for success at home. Um, or alternatively, home's not great because that person may or may not live with their family or alternatively a, a flatmate or a roommate or a housemate or whatever. Um, so we're actually gonna give them a membership to a flexible office space where they can just go and do their thing. Um, and so um, the, the, I guess, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I've worked my absolute guts out uh, for the last five years and probably in the last two years worked harder than I've ever worked before, even though we've all been at home. And um, I think that uh, a lot of people realize that this pandemic has actually been ultimately the perfect storm for us. It's interesting. You moved to the US. GFC hits, global financial crisis. <laughs> oh, so it's hits. my fault now. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> going. You come here, start up, start up uh, Creative Cubes here, and two years later, pandemic hits. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, you put everything on the line, yep. a pandemic hits. Yep. Um, it's, you, you are definitely an optimistic uh, glass half full person without any doubt whatsoever. But all of a sudden, it's a case of you've got Colton here yep. and the pandemic hits. And I yeah. remember last year, thinking, oh, look, Toby's, Toby's doing one here in Carlton. And, oh, shit. You oh, know, shit, Toby's so, doing one here in Carlton. <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, you know, and, and people can't go to these offices and things like that. So it's a case of, but during that time, you signed 3,500 square metres in Collingwood, which you said opens up next year, I think, yep, yep. building gets built. Uh, 180 George Street in Sydney, you're moving to George Street, which is the beautiful new Salesforce building. They partner with you as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, so so we're actually a, a Salesforce trailblazer. The, yeah, the, that's the, right. the transaction yeah. has got nothing to do. No, but no, it's but coincidental. Yeah, anything. okay, but but at the same time, four thousand square meters there. Mm. So what's that? Two floor plates? Uh, four, four floor, four floor yeah, plates. Yeah, thousand okay. squares each. Yeah, so absolutely beautiful building. 
Um, and so you're going ahead whilst you're seeing some of these other ones which are going down. And from my perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, I look at you and you you actually on the fringe of the CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in Hawthorne, you're in South, South Yarra, South, Mel- South, South Melbourne, Melbourne, Richmond, uh, Richmond uh, yeah, the X building on Church Street, Carlton, Collingwood, Collingwood East so, Melbourne, Armadale's coming. But that's where all the buildings are. I mean, and I'll give you the example here. When we looked at this space here, we were nearly looking at 350 Collins Street, mm-hmm. uh, taking, I think it was half a floor of 350 yeah. Collins, and looked at it and I said, the difference between being at the top end of the city and 350 Collins Street was 45 minutes of travel time for me per yep, day. per day. And I was like... Was that round or in an in, in 45, out 45? An extra, an extra, no, an extra 45 minutes on right. top of actually just coming to here. Yeah. So how much money do you make every, I don't need, really need to know this, but how much money do you make every 45 minutes? Uh, it's probably not best use of time, right? No, no, it's not. I, I pay myself a wage now, so yeah. it's, uh, I'm no longer on 20 cents an hour. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely. But it's, you know, and I, I love listening to podcasts. So I love my reading and things like that. But I don't want to be stuck in a car in traffic uh, listening to Lewis Howes or yep. Tom Bilyeu, uh basically when I'm fine doing that in my own time or getting home and getting on the treadmill yep. uh, rather than actually being stuck in a car in traffic all the time. So... It was, it was interesting that you're on the fringe, which I just think is a... Now, you've probably done it purposely. I'm just thinking off the top of my cuff of my head here. But what a fantastic idea uh, in respect well, to doing that. You were at my wedding. I know you were. I yeah. didn't wear a suit to my wedding. No. So I never really... I under- the yarmulke. Yeah. I kind of was never a subscriber of, of the suit and tie. No. Right. And, 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 and allow me to use that as a metaphor for or an articulation of where I'm trying to go with this. Uh, CBD's concrete jungle. I lived in California, not New York City. Mm. Both are amazing places. CBD Melbourne is an amazing place. CBD Sydney is an amazing place. It's not a place I want to live. Mm. I want to build a lifestyle business. For me, entrepreneurship isn't a on at nine o'clock and off at five o'clock. This is my life. 24 7 365 there is no break there is no uh, i need to slow down for a minute there's none of that Um, and so i wanted to build um, spaces and places for people that could just do their thing and not have to ask or not clock in or not clock out yeah i don't expect my staff to clock in at nine and leave at five they're connected to their to the web it's game on baby and so um with that this the city there's only what seven cities in australia mm. call it yeah yeah like how many suburban some are only the size of ballarat by the way right. so in the capitals but yes yep. yeah but my point yeah. is there's, there's one major city in every market or yeah. every state like how many suburbs surround that how many different communities are surrounding that and so the city was sort of like well we want to have seven locations you want to have like 30 locations where for 30 locations you can't have one on each corner in the city on top of that i didn't want to compete on price and i didn't want to compete on on i didn't want to compete with WeWork, who's got billions of dollars not that we're the same venture by the yeah. way but it's not their money though it, but that's the problem <laughs> yeah, you're spending like, your own I, money. i'm in yeah. yeah and so but but i didn't want to have a customer go up a one building get a deal from WeWork, come down come up into our building and go well next door is offering it for this i'm like Fuck, that's that's like below cost mm. i can't do that i wanted to build something that was lifestyle oriented that had a wellness aspect to it we we've got a heavy investment in orange theory fitness um, I wanted to build cafes and experiences. I wanted to build event spaces, not just office space. And this whole ecosystem kind of like 
feeds and, and fill, fulfills itself. And so... Tim Gurner of Working Spaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of co-working Spaces. Right. And, yeah. so, and so Carlton was a very important, uh, a very important place for us to be for a couple of reasons. One, there was demand from the north. By the way, there is no sales, marketing or demand problem with the product that I'm running. Yeah. It's a case of how much money I can deploy to get buildings open. So when you're looking at, you know, okay, pandemic was not a great example, oh. but you're walking through Carlton and you're like, fuck, he's coming here too? <laughs> Shit, this guy's gonna lose his balls? Absolutely, but it's very strategic because there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a turn. Yeah. Um, like the, the pandemic has taught us, coincidentally, it was a thesis that we had several years before, pandemic was like, well, you know, I, I want more time to myself. I don't wanna be spending 45 minutes getting in the rat right, getting in the rat wheel um, and, and down, going to downtowns or CBDs. Um, and so it's very strategic. It just happens that the, that the pandemic has sort of kind of taken the wool off people's eyes a little bit um, and, and, and enabled them to think differently. And so some of these larger organizations, the KFCs, the Moet Hennessy's, the Sullivan Coves, the New Eras, uh, the Uber, the Menulog, like I can keep going, Gammy Chicken and Beer. Uh, these guys are doing incredible stuff. They're doing it all from my locations. Oh. Uh, now you go to Gammy as, a, as an example, you, you go to their restaurants. Um, but they're headquartered out of Creative Cube, South Melbourne. And so um, those guys are are hustling and doing it in an environment that makes them comfortable and happy. But those companies would never, oh, no, 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 we need to be on Collins Street. We need to, like, we're a big firm, we're this, that, and the other. Like, do people really give a shit anymore? Toby, I'd only have one issue in um, leasing a place off you in Carlton. Yeah. That is, you're above Brunetti. So Brunetti's. if anyone wants to see where it is, <laughs> I'd actually need to use you as my personal trainer again. <laughs> so, so, so those guys are phenomenal. Actually, uh, Brunetti's... But um, if people want to know where Creative Cubes in Carlton is, it's above Brunetti. So you've got the car parking there. You've yep. got the... Woolies. Uh, you've got Woolies there. Cinema Nova. Yep. Your Country Road. You've got amazing eateries on Ligon Street. Yep. The uh, the actually the operating team at Brunetti's are headquartered at Creative Cubes, even okay. though their cafe is their cafe. But like all the books and all that stuff is being reconciled. Actually, well, regular Friday night for us is dinner at University Cafe, yep. cross the road, uh, see a movie at Nova, yep. and then get a coffee and cake to stay up all night on Friday night at Brunetti's, and then go home. That's that, it. That's a regular Friday. Just walk down here. You could start it earlier and come in at eight o'clock and start hustling at Creative Cubes. <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. We actually have a glam bar in that. Not that you need to look any more glamorous than you do, Tony, but uh, we have a glam bar Sweet. in our in our bathrooms so yep. uh, that was a request um, so people that are going out uh, when they start to go back out can actually doll up before they, they hit the street um, but look I think the point is that um, a lot of companies that didn't think this would work for them are now going actually I can save money by not being on Collins Street or I can shrink my footprint from two floors to one floor I can plug my staff in to a flexible workspace, preferably Creative Cubes, but if you're not in your area, there's amazing, great operators. I'm part of FWA, Flexible Workspaces Australia, and there's some awesome operators. Um, we're all different. We all collaborate behind the scenes. We're not competitors. Our competitor is the traditional lease, and that's just been absolutely brutalized during, um, during the pandemic. Um, and they can actually end up becoming like a better place for employment. A KFC, great example. 
They don't need to come to Creative Cubes. They can afford 10 towers, mm. but they come here because they leveraging Creative Cubes for talent. And what I mean by that is, hey, we're Create KFC, we can give you a strong financial future, but we can pay you X, Y, Z, um, but this is the environment that you can work from as opposed to their own stuffy corporate office. Not that they do have that, but if they would have had that, right? And so they come to us and they're very open about it. We're like, hey, we wanna recruit young talent, but we wanna do that in a cool way, in a fun way, and we wanna, so they're leveraging our environments. And then their franchisees come to our event spaces and do franchise training and a whole bunch of policies and procedures and all the, the boring stuff there. Um, so it's just multifaceted. And if we go back to what I said very early is, you know, the iPhone as an example is a beautiful device, but without the software, it's nothing. So we have beautiful spaces, but without the people. It's so you just need a, the culture as just well, a bit. the, the I think, yeah, I, think, so I think a lot of com not a thing, a lot of companies are leveraging us for culture. I watched your vlog uh, last week with um, the young lady who, I've forgotten her name at the top of my head, but it's- Sade. Sade, thank you. It's- um, The queen. Yeah, who you went to and said, here's what we're doing and, and do you want to be part of it? And it was just like, Okay, sounds, yeah. sounds okay, let's yeah. give it a go. But she's been with you basically from day one. And, yep. um, and once again, that story of what you guys have done and the vlog was absolutely fantastically well done. But but I think there's also another thing, and if you can't answer this question, it's okay, but I think there's a lot of large organisations now that have got a lot of uh, empty own buildings in the mm -hmm. city that have a mm -hmm. lot of empty space. There's other ones where uh, you've now got some of these you know, large... Uh, you know, investment houses or superannuation funds are saying, you know, is this commercial real estate the way we're going to continue? Because the world is changing. Um, I used to get really annoyed when people used to say, or oh, stay safe, or it's a different world now. But it actually is. And sometimes it takes something huge to actually make create a different world. Yeah which usually ends up better yep. in some way. Yep. So it's um, so so based on that, can you talk about what is next for Creative Cubes as well? Yep. Because you're gonna continue doing what you're doing, you're doing it really well. Yep. But on that flywheel concept, you're really yeah. moving, you're really, really spinning now. But what's that next sort of flywheel of actually getting it to that next stage, that next stage, that next stage for you? Yeah, so we have, a, like we have four locations open uh, and some 15,000 square meters of 5,000 people that frequent our spaces every day um, we've got another 10 locations in the pipe under construction or or somewhere between a pile of dirt and actually slabs of concrete um, and, and your class is an anchor tenant in a lot of those buildings yeah absolutely yeah. Um, in fact I think without us some of these landlords lose opportunities to sell floors so in our Collingwood building, without naming names, we've taken 3,500 square meters, so four floors out of a six floor building, and the two upper floors, or maybe it's a seven floor building, and the two upper floors went to a very large company that ordinarily would take all seven floors, but they only want two floors because they're gonna flex in and out of us. Yeah. Right, yep. and then not necessarily in Collingwood either. They'll flex in and out of us wherever. All over, yeah. Uh, member of one, member of all. Um, the, the, the future is continue to do these suburban locations in environments where Creative Cubes adds value. So Ligon Street, like Ligon Street is Ligon Street, Carlton. If you're gonna be anywhere in Carlton, be on Ligon Street, right? And so uh, us coming there um, sort of like really gives people a reason to take space from us. 
So we're selling the lifestyle of Ligon Street, but actually you can work there. And like, that's amazing because it's just, it's a really buzzing space and place. So we'll continue to do that in environments that uh, really speak to the brand. Um, We've sort of got three more steps. Uh, One is the corporates. So with the corporates, it's actually a reverse engineer. The, The corporates are coming to us going, can you take over our space? redesign it and redevelop it to a creative cubes and then can you serve us exclusively in our spaces we actually don't want to own the real estate we don't want to run the asset we don't want to do a whole bunch of things we will offload so is that like changing the culture within those large corporates in some type of way potentially because we're we're not going to conform yeah we're not conformists we're entrepreneurs um so you're still going to have graffiti in the boardroom i think i think (laughs) so so the graffiti on in boardrooms is really um it, it, it's sort of like it's the environment that surrounds that yeah. that we draw inspiration from. Yeah. So, so Cremorne or Richmond uh, is tech, and there's a lot of graffiti there, and like really out there people um, in a very cool way, um, in a very color. artistic yeah. way. Yeah. And so we Detroit. we pull that through. We pull that through. Um, you know, we've got Collingwood coming. We're going to dial it up a little bit. East Melbourne is going to be next to the MCG. I don't think graffiti on the wall is going to cut it. Yep. We might have memorabilia and a whole. So we're really inspired by the local space. So the corporate environments and the corporations that we're talking about are, hey, we're going to take 5,000 square meters in our corporate HQ. We're going to shrink it to two and a half. Can you guys come in with a happiness team, which is our on-site concierge? Can you redesign, redevelop, make this space like really cool and fun? And then can we plug in to all your Carlton's, Collingwood, South Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, da 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 Yes. So that's a, that's a huge, like if we only do that, like there's a life of work just in that. But we're not stopping there. Uh, we see ourselves in retail. So shopping centers um, that uh, probably were historically owned or a run. A co-working space in a shopping center or yes. co-working retail? No, no, no. Just a, a co-working space or Creative Cubes in a shopping precinct, okay, which is yep. a retail environment. Yeah. Um, that ordinarily that space would have been dedicated to large department stores that are no longer viable. And so the asset owner or the REIT is looking to repurpose that into whatever and so we come in makes perfect sense i think so the amenities there all the amenities the food the car parking absolutely everything it's all there yeah um and then again that gives people a reason to take membership well if i come here i can go to the fitness first i can go to the food court at lunch i can grab stuff from woolies or coles um i can i can grab some retail if i if i need if I need to go to the Apple store, it's just there. Yeah. Um, if I want to go running the Nike store, I can go get kitted up there. You know, there's just, there's a thousand things. And then think about just having your office, a really professional space for you to be able to work. So we think retail is a huge thing. So corporate, so traditional cubes, corporate, retail, and then we think lifestyle as well. So we are, we have been in deep conversations with a very large privately held hotel group that ordinarily not them specifically but if you think about a hotel and you think about a business center in a hotel it's kind of pretty shitty yeah so instead of taking um taking that and redoing it actually let's take two floors of dead inventory and convert that so that when people are flying from melbourne to sydney or sydney to melbourne they can book their hotel room they can stay inside they can work up you know, they can work on the ground floor and their hotel rooms on the 10th floor. Have breakfast on the ground floor, go to the gym on the top floor, uh, go go from their room up to the office. Yeah, so we, yeah. Think, we think those are the four prongs 
for us to play ball in. Um, and then there's a thousand things in the soft side of things. So we think my vlog's starting to get tremendous traffic. Uh, the networks are interested in in doing a television show of some description. Don't want to disclose too much at the moment, but it's in the works. Whereby my my members get exposure on on huge broadcasts, you know, million views. Um, so we think there's that. We've got technology arm. We think that we've got some stuff going on there. We we actually actually spend like almost three quarters of a million dollars a year just on cleaning our premises. So we've got a, a futures division which is focused on, okay, how can I turn that expense into a revenue item or how can that 750 become 500 and we actually have better quality because we employ, and that's a bad example, but a, but a relative example. Yeah. So like we think there's a there's a thousand things that can sort of come off this thing. Um, Might have to send this podcast to SoftBank and say they would have been better partnered with their money with you guys. Yeah, so I mean, like, uh, like, you know, you guys, you guys are you know investment focused, portfolio focused. We have we have to be making money, mm. but it's it's the furthest thing from the driver, right? Like, like we're changing a lot of people's lives. Well, it's we're the last thing about core values. It's yeah. it's to even in here, you know. Yes, we have to be make a decent profit decently uh, to pinch that from Matthew Rowe. But basically, it's a case of it's the very last part of our core totally. values because the the other four happen first. Fifth just takes care of itself. Correct. We're here to serve the people. Yeah. All people. We don't care who you are. We don't care what your what your background is. We don't care what your race, color, sexual orientation, or preference is. If you're a good person, you're welcome at Cubes. On the flip but side, you have to wear Nike runners. He only ever wears Nike. <laughs> it just enables me to go faster. Um, you can't wear. I can't wear regular shoes because who wants to run a marathon every day in <laughs> suit shoes? Yep. Um, but on the flip side, if if you if you're not of the same values, um, one bad apple spoils the whole cart. Um, and so there's no amount of money in the world that could could be bought. We could be bought to to do the wrong thing by the Davids of the world versus the Goliaths. Um, there's plenty of money to be made. We're, we're, we're doing our thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the fulfillment comes from actually enabling people to do their own thing um, and actually exceed their own expectations. You know, I've got a kid, a, literally a kid that came to me. Um, he had a relatively stable job. He came to me, I used the example before, he literally had a skateboard and a backpack and an idea. No money, he came from um, commission homes. He grew up very, very, very tough conditions. And he's like, I have an idea. And now he employs like eight or nine people, making a few million dollars a year, generating revenue, um, had, takes a good clipping home for himself, supports his entire family. Um, that shit gets me up in the morning. Yeah, they're not, the, story, not the, they're the stories we love to hear, especially in our, um, our impact and sustainability side of our business. They're the stories yep. that make so much. I mean, it's it's interesting. I've always said Australia's being built on the back of immigrants, hardworking immigrants who yep. come here with nothing yep. and built up amazing success yep. uh, in so many areas. So in, in closing, Toby, um, I mean, it's, it's an honour to have you here. I have known you a long time. You <laughs> have flogged me for many years. Uh, I, I just noticed something on your LinkedIn profile there on the banner. The best or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've got a good indication of what that means. Yeah. Do you want to just clarify that for the listeners as well? Because I've known you for a long time. Yeah. And you do, you know, even as my personal trainer, it was a case of if you're going to turn up, do it properly. Yeah. You know, so it's... Exactly. Um, yeah. um, I'd rather not play if it's just going to be half-assed. Yeah. yeah. 
I'd rather play and lose, but give it you, give you everything I've got. Um, I'd be satisfied with a loss. Um, and so I, I'm not, if you come to any of my venues, there's no expense spared. There's no cutting corners. Um, I don't, like I really, you know, the best of nothing really comes back to the values of mm. my wife and I. Um, we're married, we share everything, but we're not 50-50 in our relationship. We're 100-100. And it works because she's all in on me and I'm all in on her. But if you look at our our net worth, if we were to ever end up getting divorced, she'd get half, I'd get half. But the reality is we're all in. And so... You're batting above your average, Toby. Oh, I know. <laughs> There's no question. But it's it's, it's it's all in. Relationships are not 50-50. They're 100-100. Um, my business partners that may or may not have a smaller piece of the pie to only give me 20% of their effort, that doesn't work. Mm. And so... Uh, if, if you're expecting it from me, um, I'm, I'm expecting it from you. So uh, the best or nothing, it's yeah. really that simple. Um, I, I don't care losing. My dad used to say, I don't care if you get one out of 100 in your exam, as long as you tried your best. Yeah. I got one out of 100 and got grounded for six months. <laughs> but he believes that um, that wasn't my best. I didn't give him my best. And yeah. so, yeah. Toby, it's, it's, I was going to say, it's been an absolute honour to interview you because this isn't having a look at your resume and then asking you questions, interviewing. I've, I've in some ways lived your life from afar, <laughs> you know, so Thank I've you. seen it. So I was, I was telling Jamie, I think the very last training session I did with you, you said, okay, we're going to, you, you brought out the mats and said you're going to kick these things for an hour and we, you, we just flogged. I was throwing every kick in the world. Couldn't even lift my legs that high anymore. Uh, but but basically it was a case of one of the things I loved training with you and loved watching every journey of your life is that, yeah, it was a case of you turn up, you're going to give it your best yeah. in everything. And that's what you expect of everyone with you as well. Yeah. And that's been the secret of your success. Well, one of the many secrets, and I don't think there's any other secrets too, but one of the other things too is that you've always reinvented and reinvested in yourself mm -hmm. and in the business and in your belief. And no matter what's punched you in the face you've always kept coming back and coming yep. back and 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 that is a real testament so it's been an honor to watch you, you being involved and then watch you from afar in your success and to have you here today uh, i like that that means more to me than ever i, I can ever express mm. um uh i don't do it because i think people are watching i just do it but the fact that it inspires and uplifts and and motivates is is a value and a, and a value add and coming from you I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been an honour to be part of your life for 17 years. Thanks, and thank Sonny. you for thank you for trimming down my waistline <laughs> those years ago. So it's uh, thanks, guys. Thank thanks, you. Time. The Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Kafka Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kafka Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kafka Bond & Co. and the hosts of the Kafka Bond Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.